Pontius Pilate and think about his indifference that he had to the whole situation. Uh, King Herod and what he said about this, uh, the beatings and the mockery of the Roman soldiers, Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the, the high priest was involved and complicit in a sense in this death, uh, the murder of Jesus on the cross. So all of these people who are supposed to, they're the people of power, and they're supposed to be the people who know certain things. And they're qualified to make these decisions. Look where their wisdom got, Paul is saying. Look where it ended up. You know, some of these guys, uh, specifically the Jewish leadership, they thought they were defending God. In their wisdom, they thought they were doing the right thing, but they couldn't see that they had made themselves an enemy of God. That's the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Paul is saying these rulers thought they had wisdom, but in the end, it wasn't the wisdom that they needed. And then Paul quotes. This uh, section of uh, a few words from Isaiah. However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him, these, things, these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. By the Spirit of God. Paul's quoting this, I think it's from Isaiah 64. That's just a little section of verses. God has plans for us. It means inconceivable plans. Wisdom beyond what is seen, heard, or imagined. But notice how we access that wisdom. The key that opens the door to true wisdom is loving God and listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us to love God more. Those are the keys that open godly wisdom to us. Um, you know, I think one of the main works of the Holy Spirit in our lives is how He helps us love God. That's a primary work of His. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except God's Spirit. So first let me say, when you look at these verses, notice that you have a spirit. You have, you have your own spirit. Some of you are spirited people. Another way this is referred to is your, your, your will or your heart. We all have heart. And part of the depth of who you are is your spirit. Uh, it's, it's part of your personhood. It's uniquely yours and belonging to you. And your spirit knows things about you that no one else knows. It's, the, it's not the public you. It's not the people around you who are discerning. It is, rather, your spirit knows the reality of you. 
Sometimes we're ourselves are hidden from ourselves. Like the depths of our own heart, we don't even understand ourselves. It is your spirit who knows you most intimately. And so what Paul is saying here is in the immensity of God's generosity to us, the Holy Spirit makes the very depths of God, who he is, available to us. Inconceivable to me. Uh, the, the implications of what Paul is talking about here. What he's saying is the heart of God the Father and the heart of God the Son. The Holy Spirit communicates to us the depth of that heart if we will listen. We will learn the language of the Spirit. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Just a short little addition there. See, most of us, most people in this world, they don't understand what God has freely given us. What is the spirit of the world? The spirit of worldly wisdom. Uh, you can't trust anyone. The, the spirit of the world is there's not enough to go around. The spirit of the world is you are a mistake or you are a random accident. In the end, your life has no meaning or purpose. You are absurd. That is where the wisdom of the world, it leads you to that conclusion. So in that kind of system, there is no higher purpose than whatever moments of comfort and pleasure you can grab for yourself right now because you don't know when it's going to end. That is the wisdom of the world. But through the Holy Spirit, we understand a reality different We don't look around and just fear what we might lose. We don't look around and see nothing but scarcity and not, not enough to go around. The Spirit reveals truth to us that it's not scarcity. You're surrounded by abundance. We live in a God-breathed world. This world is a safe place to be together with Christ Jesus. In the spirit, I move past fear into trust. Trusting God, even trusting other people who I know are not perfect. Through the spirit, I know my life is not absurd. I am not a mistake. Not even here by random chance. I have a purpose. I was created to do good in this world. I was created to speak blessing from the Lord into people's lives. I was created to bring light to dark places. 
See, there are so many people in this world, and they don't know why they're here. They don't know why they're here. They haven't got a clue. And they're living like animals, hand to mouth. Get what you can while you can. They don't see their true value. They don't know their purpose. Many people feel like they are some kind of mistake or something. God doesn't make mistakes. But the human condition, apart from God, it's absurd in the end. But it is the Spirit who whispers things to us. All he, the Spirit helps us know everything that we've been freely given in Christ Jesus. And I, I've given my life to this, and I have a sense that I'm just scratching the surface. It keeps getting deeper and more beautiful and more meaningful as time goes on. But we access the wisdom of God through the love of the God, through the love of God, and through um, the Spirit opening us up to this reality. See, you've got to settle this in your mind. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not a random chance. You were created in love. You're created in love. I don't care if your parents didn't want you and made you feel unwelcome. I don't care if you're the result of rape or whatever. God didn't make a mistake making you. You were created in an act of love. You were here today because of love. Your eternal destiny is for greater and greater love. The Spirit reveals that to us the depths of our heart, whispers that to our own spirit. You're created in love. You're sustained by love. You are destined for love. That's the wisdom of God. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom. But the words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual, with spirit-taught words. See, a lot of you are convinced of the love of God, not because some preacher said so, or because it's in some book or a Bible verse, even. But God has used maybe a preacher or the Bible or some something in creation. Some of you are outdoor people and you see beauty and you don't understand why is this beauty here? And you believe things about God, not because of the words that have been spoken themselves. It's because the Spirit has spoken a word to your spirit in the depths of your being language that maybe I can't even put fully into words. But you know this language exists. Because a lot of you are living in that reality. And you're walking in that kind of life. 
Well, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish, foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Discerned only through the Spirit. See, apart from the Spirit of God, the things that we teach, you know, it sounds like fairy tales to me. And it's not just fairy tales. It's a bunch of made-up stuff. It is wishful thinking. It's sentimentality. It is, even now, faith in Christ is viewed as something dangerous. Dangerous. Because of this, the, the ways it forces you to make a stand on certain things that are against the culture. It's dangerous because... Faith in Christ will ruin your narcissistic dream. It's not all about me anymore. You know, I've had people say to me throughout the years, you can't prove what you're saying. Which is true. But by the same token, you cannot disprove what I'm saying either. And people have said to me, well, you really can't know. To which I can reply, oh, yes, you can. You can know. And at the end of the day, it's not my knowledge, it's not my understanding, this knowing. Something deeper than that. It's in my spirit. It's whispered to me by the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. I'm I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm not a dumb guy either. And let's say I use, instead of using my skills to honor the Lord, let's say I use my understanding of theology, my degrees, doctoral training, all of that stuff. Say I decided I wanted to use that to convince someone that God doesn't love them. There is no God. God is absurd. You're an accident. Say, I had to convince Karina Staley that God does not love her. How long would it take me to do that? Because something has gotten hold of her. And my words can't undo that. They can't break that. What if I use every argument? Say, okay, say I had an unlimited budget. And I hired the leading atheists of this time and this age. And these are, these are men and women of 
great mind and brilliant, and their arguments are way better than anything that I can possibly come up with and bring. And I have one task for them. I will pay each of you who are able to do this, or all of you, or whatever, I'll pay you a million dollars. Say, I have unlimited funds to do this. You are brilliant, highly credentialed. You understand reality as it is. And your task, if you do this for $1 million, your one thing you have to do, make Cindy Hoffman stop praying. Reality is taken off. 
person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then this bombshell verse. But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. Uh, another way that Paul says this in Romans, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. We don't care what the world says or the world's games. We're playing a whole different game now. Not by the world's rules, not by the world's terms. We don't care what judgments the world makes against us. They have no weight. And so just these few verses, they are loaded with meaning and helping us understand the wisdom of God, different than the world completely. Just these few verses from this morning, we know some things about God's wisdom. It's a mystery planned before time began. The cross of Christ. We access the wisdom of God through loving God. Because we have decided to take hold of that which has taken hold of me in Christ Jesus. This reality of God's wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. This wisdom helps us understand what God has freely given to us. The never-ending depths of the generosity and love of God's heart. The Holy Spirit reveals that to us. God's wisdom, through the Spirit at work, we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Uh, I just want to take a couple minutes to just camp down on this idea of what this means to have the mind of Christ. What that's saying is the things that Christ is thinking the things that Christ is feeling, those things through the Holy Spirit are made available to us. They become our own thoughts as well. What is the mind of Christ? There's all kinds of scriptures. You gotta read your Bible. Spend some time in the Gospels. Look at the situation and just ask yourself the question. I wonder what Jesus was feeling, 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 feeling when he said this. What was he thinking when he said this, this thing here, this offensive thing? What about when, what was he feeling when he refused to condemn this clearly sinful person? First of all, we say from Philippians 2, 5 through 8, the mind of Christ didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but empties himself to be a servant. Okay. God the Father takes everything in all creation, and he gives it to his Son. What does the Son do with it? 
attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus? God takes it all and puts it at Jesus' feet. Equality is, with God is not something that I grasp. And I empty myself. And I will take the place of the servant. What is that mind? That is not a worldly mind. That is not a mind that can be understood in the wisdom of this world. Why not? 
Did he know that they would be broken by it? It was too much for them, maybe, at that time? He discouraged some people. The guy who's delivered from his demons, he says, he begged, it says, to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, go home. And tell people you're home everything that God has done for you. Or others who say, I'll follow you, Lord, anywhere. And Jesus says, foxes have dens. Birds have nests. Where does the Son of Man have to lay his head? You don't, you don't want to follow me everywhere I go. He discouraged some people. He knew they weren't ready for that. That was something in the mind of Christ. The way Jesus interacts with people, it gets to the heart of the matter. You think about how harsh he was. Who was he so harsh with? That he could say, you snakes, you brood of vipers. And they needed, that's the word that they needed to hear more than anything else. And this is the same guy who says to this broken woman who's clearly sinned, and it was a political move to catch Jesus. He says, there neither do I condemn you. Go and don't sin anymore. Sees us in our human condition. 
condition and sees how easily we think that this life is all there is and how easy it is for us to doubt the goodness of God. And it breaks his heart and he weeps. The mind of Christ doesn't need to test God, doesn't need God to perform. And yet the mind of Christ rejoices when the Father reveals himself, chooses this whole incident with Lazarus coming back to life, being raised from the dead. He's like, I'm so thankful I wasn't there to prevent this from happening. Because what you're about to see is going to change everything in the way some of you are thinking. The mind of Christ is not inflexible. He tells his mom, hey, my time has not yet come. He worked out something in his mind together with God the Father. But because mommy says so, mommy saying so moves the heart of God. That also is the mind of Christ. Is that not amazing? I think, you know, what kind of mind does someone have when someone has done, directly done evil that can say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. A mind that isn't vengeful. A mind that isn't vindictive. See, I think, spend some time just thinking about these situations. Holy Spirit, reveal the mind of Christ to me. See, Jesus never doubted, most of all, the goodness of God the Father. And he helps his disciples to believe that too. So that John later on can say, God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. Don't believe anything bad about God. That is the life of that's the mind of Christ at work. You want to know what my father's like? And then he tells him the story of the prodigal son. That is the mind of Christ revealing the heart of God. Or another disciple later on, Paul, the writer of this letter, who in another place in the letter to the Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Where did he get this idea? That is an idea from the mind of Christ. To just be so God-focused. It's not like we don't know that bad things are happening around us. Christ to move past.
past doubting God, to believe in God's goodness unconditionally, or his good intentions for us as individuals. It takes the mind of Christ to know that God is for us and not against us. It takes the mind of Christ to know that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. But we have the mind of Christ. We have that. Through the Spirit teaching us those things in our spirit. So spend some time inviting the Spirit to help you feel and understand and know something of the mind of Christ. <laughs>